Warning, this podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. And uh, I need to talk about Bahabuli, guys. Bahubali. <laughs> Bahubali. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> the music is really good. Mm, like, the music is good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I do have a couple of questions. Why does the animated uh, intro spoil the entire story? <laughs> well, here and here's the better answer to that, James. Uh, in the preceding week, I have watched Bahubali one. Yeah. And the better question is, why does the intro to Bahubali 1 spoil all of Bahubali 1 and Bahubali 2? <laughs> that is a good question. I like that the demon has a rather magnificent porn stash. That was pretty cool. Like the, <laughs> like the effigy at the beginning. Uh, another movie with audio sync issues. I don't know. It's, it's the, I watched the Hindi version. Yeah, I don't know if it was recorded in another language. Yes, then... so 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 the part about okay. that is you, 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 it, there's two versions, and one is like recorded in Telugu and dubbed in Tamil, or it's or or the other way around, or something. Yeah, yeah. right. But, but there's two Indian dialects being spoken, and there's two versions of the movie out there. So the thing is, no matter which version you watch, half the <laughs> movie will always be dubbed. <laughs> It seems like it would just be better to, again, let them speak in the native language and then just subtitle for the audience that's watching. I well, don't understand. clearly, you are not Bollywood. I, well, yeah, I guess. I guess. Well, the same, the same thing was going on with V2. That seems like that's a, something that just happens with, with some of these <clears throat> movies. Yeah, they have a methodology that they're working on. And it, it, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just easier. Maybe it cuts production costs. I'm going to do a so, callback and say that it is an homage to uh, Sergio Leone and his spaghetti westerns because, you know, <laughs> everyone spoke English, but all of the extras were Italian, and so they just dubbed everybody into English. Maybe that's just, yeah, it's not an homage, but maybe that's just how it's done. Is, is it possible audiences outside of the U.S. are just more accepting of overdubbed audio like that, and we're just I, not used to it? I wouldn't if you grew be surprised. Up with it, if you grew up with it, you wouldn't mind it as much. You wouldn't notice. Yeah. There is a line delivered by uh, Bahubali's best friend, you know, the 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 enforcer for the for the queen mother, Katapa, and yeah. Katapa. Thank you. And the line is, "What is this drama for?" And <laughs> this line could be applied to the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> oh there no, it's are, gaining self awareness. This movie is so long that I think there are two good films in here, and maybe one or two bad ones. <laughs> Like it, it's not just the length and the what they actually shot, but the storylines that they had. So, first and foremost, and most obviously, this is easily a superhero movie. Yeah, and yeah, I'll give you that. It could have also been a bromance. Like if at the beginning, when when we, you know, when he meets the the other suitor and he's pretending to be a dingus and you know making that guy look good, that could have been kind of a cool buddy movie. Like he's just wingmanning for him, but it, instead of actually getting with the princess, like. There are so many places they could have gone with it. So instead of making two Bahubali movies, you're pitching that they should have made seven or eight Bahubali movies. I am pitching that this should be a TV series. <laughs> okay, so we need the we need the Bahubali extended universe. Yes. Okay, so uh, so we've got four films already in the can. 
Now we just need to expand everyone's backstory through miniseries. No, no, no. What I'm saying is we need to rewrite it. I'm because... one, I want to helm the books of Katapa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Katapa, wow, that beard was magnificent. <laughs> that was a magnificent beard. I was blown away. Overall, I really enjoyed it, um, but it was too long. Four out of five stars, too much court entry. Well, there you go. No, it was fun. I enjoyed it. That was it was a good time. I was doing dishes during sort of the middle parts. So, I, if you enjoyed Bahubali two, the conclusion, I heartily recommend Bahubali one, not the conclusion, because it's literally the same film. Excellent, excellent. So, what do we have today, gents? Boys, it has been a minute. Uh, so, uh, I bring you an untitled dot text every week, and. Sometimes I'm proud of them, and sometimes I'm a little bit indifferent towards them. <laughs> yes. This week, I th- this one is another child of mine, um, and <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Fry actually dropped this this idea on me last week, and then I had to modify it a little bit. He it, it, Fry's original idea was like Shakespeare or a movie line or something like that. Ah, and okay. so, like, so, so, is this a line for, from Shakespeare or is this a line from a movie? But the thing is that, like, Shakespeare's turns of phrase are so common and exist so much in the cultural zeitgeist that you can't really do that because, right. like, so much of Shakespeare is just taken directly from movies, and so much of movies is just taken directly from Shakespeare and adaptations and all that. But all of that aside, so what I have for you this week is Werner Herzog or Shakespeare. <laughs> Oh, yes. So I am going to deliver you a quote. Uh, It is either from one of Shakespeare's plays, or it is Werner Herzog talking about whatever nightmarish realms he talks about. (laughs) (laughs) Not one of these are made up, so you don't have to worry about like last time, whereas I was making up Herzog quotes. These are all either Shakespeare or Herzog. Now, here's the thing. If you get it right, and it's Shakespeare... You have an opportunity for a bonus point if you can tell me what play it comes from. Ooh, that's good. Okay. Her, with, with Herzog, no chance for bonus points. Okay. And to make it more difficult, I'm doing all of them in Herzog's voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. We are such stuff as dreams are made on. Shakespeare. And little... Oh, very good. What was the play? That's the, um, the one with the fawn in it, right? Can I steal the bonus point? Yeah, absolutely. You can. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream? No, that was The Tempest. Oh, oh the Tempest. okay. Yeah, Here's I don't I'm... actually know that much about Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm going to give James a point for that one, and now I'm going to do it the way I wanted to do it, where I finish the quote, and then each one of you guesses. And oh, so, we have to and, wait. And, okay. Yeah, and so there's possibility for points on both ends. Okay. Okay. Nothing will come of nothing. Th- that's Shakespeare. Okay, James says Shakespeare. What do you say, Fred? No, that's uh, that's that's Werner Herzog. That is Shakespeare, indeed. James, can you tell ah. me the play? Much Ado About Nothing. No, that would be King Lear. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to get those. Probably. <laughs> you might you, you might luck your way into it. That's true. This is very Midsummer Madness. Shakespeare. Midsummer it's it's got to be Werner Herzog. <laughs> well, that is. That is Shakespeare. <laughs> but what was the play? Midsummer Night's Dream. No, that would be The Twelfth Night. <laughs> I got a point. I don't care. <laughs> there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. That is Shakespeare, isn't it? 
Okay, Frosh says Shakespeare. I'll go, Ver- I'll go Herzog. That was indeed Shakespeare. Yeah. What was the play, Fry? Is that Hamlet? That is Hamlet! Oh, nice. Sweet. Nicely done, Fry. That's the only one that I know anything about. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same. So, got really lucky. <laughs> well, for, as, for, for, from this moment on, there are no more Hamlet quotes. So, you don't have to guess that one anymore. So, good Texas education. <laughs> <laughs> Let them keep smiling. I don't care. Oh, that's got to be Werner Two Herzogs? You are both right, boys. That is Herzog. Yeah. He was talking about the emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, the emoji movie or just the existence of emojis? No, the the concept of emojis. Oh, okay. Let them keep smiling. I don't care. Truth itself wanders through the forests. Shakespeare. Uh, No, it's Herzog. (laughs) That is indeed Werner Herzog. Okay. Boys, we it are is, tied. I got to say, it is really hard when you do them all in the Herzog. Voice, <laughs> yeah, I can totally is. imagine him saying that. That's really good. <laughs> okay, the, okay the, the, a couple of these are kind of easy. I am a product of my failures. Herzog. Yeah, Herzog. Oh, that is Herzog. Very good. The world reveals itself to those who travel on foot. Shakespeare. Herzog? That is Werner Herzog. Ah, <laughs> The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred with their bones. Herzog. Shakespeare. That would be Shakespeare. Ah. What play, Fry? <clears throat> uh, Macbeth. Ah, it was Julius Caesar. Ah. Every man should pull a boat over a mountain once in his life. It's gotta be Herzog. <laughs> that is indeed Werner Herzog. <laughs> I, I, man, just li- like I would love if he had a podcast. It was like life advice from Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this. Is a- Any, I, I got to know what was he talking about? How did uh, he, he get? He, to he that? was talking about filming a movie. <laughs> yeah, d- difficulties in filming a movie. Okay. I am a man more sinned against than sinning. Shakespeare. Shakespeare? Oh, well done, boys. That was indeed Shakespeare. Can either of you tell me the play? Oh, um, King Lear. This one. What was uh, what was that? James says King Lear. What do you say, Fry? I'm gonna guess Macbeth again. Point for James because that was Lear. All right. And in fact, cool. most of Lear's quotes uh, work really well as Herzog quotes because as the play <laughs> goes on, Lear loses his mind. No. Yeah, I, I definitely knew that and didn't just guess. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, get used to the bear behind you. That's got to be Herzog. Got to be Herzog. That is indeed Werner Herzog. Yeah. Wow, we boys, we ran away with that one. That is 10 for Fry and 9 Ooh. for James. Oh, catching up. Wow. Okay, so that puts Fry at... 67. Ooh, Fry, you are closing ground, but James is now at 87. Ooh. This is this could be a good race. Ooh, this, <laughs> is, this is getting pretty good. And All the right. fact that you're catching up, Fry, means that when we reset, you're probably going to destroy me now that you have motivation. So so if I kneecap you before an episode, do I get all the points for that episode? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to come over to my house. 
I assume politely ring the doorbell, and of then course. I come to it, and then you just go whack with the well, bat. And I, I assume away. we'll share some drinks and a cigar first. Uh huh. And then and then I'll take you out. Okay. All right. Well, don't do that, please. <laughs> All right. Fine. I would actually prefer if you didn't. Someone's been what? watching I Tanya this week. <laughs> What movie do we have today, gentlemen? Well, James, our proffered genre this week was comedy. And yes. uh, we have delivered of a sort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but less funny, haha, and more funny, uh-oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you delivered exactly what we asked for, it might get kind of boring. So it I'm would. excited to hear about it. But, uh, but the other caveat was it was not to be American. That is correct. And so this is the midnightest of black comedies. This is out of <laughs> Colombia, oh. and this is called Dog Washers. Okay, yes. Dog Washers. So you've seen movies in the the genre of you know a drug kingpin running you know this big operation. There's betrayals. There's police trying to get in there. Yeah, you've probably seen films like that before. Oh yeah. So this movie takes that concept and says, well, what if this wasn't the top gang in Colombia? What if this wasn't <laughs> the second tier gang in Colombia? What if these were the worst criminals <laughs> and also some of the worst cops? Like no, no one here is no one here is ready for the major leagues. Okay. Uh, so we enter this movie finding out that there is a debt that is owed. Don Oscar uh, owes, uh, I believe his name is Duberny, uh, yeah. a debt for something. We, we don't, we never find out what. It doesn't really matter. Right. The important thing is Don Oscar has not paid and has shown somewhat of an unwillingness to do so. And so Duberny has decided to kill one of Don's lieutenants. And so we, we set up with a... To sort of a, send a message? Yeah, it... it so we, we start off with uh, some light conversation and then a decapitation. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very friendly and cordial until they decapitate him. <laughs> and this, this opening scene also sets up the movie's style of humor, which yeah. is Sahara Dry. Because at one, do you, do you remember how they were arguing, Fry, about what day it was? Yeah. That, yeah. They, they they were reminiscing about when when uh, uh, Duberny was a young a young boy, and was given some money to wash uh, wash this guy's car. Yeah, and they were arguing about what holiday it was, whether it was Halloween or or Little Candles Day, which I don't <laughs> believe is a holiday we celebrate here. But uh, they are arguing about this while the blade like dangles next to this guy's neck. It's like, no, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Halloween. No, no, it was the, definitely Little Candles Day. <laughs> the guy was winding up to swing, and then they're like, wait, wait, are you sure it was Little Candles Day? <laughs> Go up for a little bit further. <laughs> so now, you know, having had this introduction, we cut over to Don Oscar's house. Now you've you've seen the mansions that kingpins always have in all these movies. You can probably picture one right now. Now, I want you to keep that picture in mind, but now let 50 years go past without any maintenance occurring. <laughs> oh, my. It's still a mansion, but it is it's still technically a mansion, but it is crumbling and falling apart. Okay. The gardens are largely unkempt. There are a, a number of dogs and a guy taking care of the dogs there. There's still a, a crew. There's still a gang. But it's just a handful of people at this point. And 
we can tell you know Don Oscar's having a conversation with his wife, and it's it's pretty clear they don't have a lot of money to burn, but she hasn't quite figured that part out yet. She's talking about <laughs> wanting to make all you know make all these upgrades to the house and all that stuff, and he's like, we can't do that right now. Um, <laughs> okay, he is very paranoid, as I guess one would be if you owe money to other violent criminals. And has noticed the two people staking out, or noticed the two people at the house next door who are just so obviously watching his house. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are ostensibly there doing some construction, but they literally at one point pulled out a bright silver camera and just start taking photos <laughs> of the house. They're just they've got sunglasses on, and there's like a construction truck behind it, but nothing's happening, and they're just binoculars. The, their, the, the, their construction truck definitely says "not cops construction" on it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Right, right. So Don's Don's pretty worried about these people who are uh, watching the house, and, and basically tells his his people to keep an eye on them. Uh, he goes <laughs> out for an errand, and so what do the two neighbors do? They follow him in their car. Yes. Uh, and and again, you, you've seen every movie where there's like the police trying to carefully follow somebody and not lose them. I mean, like any good neighbor, you're just going to follow the, your neighbors around in a car. They follow right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. and it's it still takes until after they leave the place they were going to before they actually notice that they were being followed. Uh, <laughs> Should we bother with the subplot about where he was going to? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, you, you can hit on it. He, th- th- that yeah. conversation is really funny. Yeah, it's, it's very funny. He he goes. He's he's off to a fertility clinic. Oh, okay. Where the the doctor tells him that his sperm are scarce and small. <laughs> It's like you, you've got this already failed drug kingpin sitting, or, or wannabe kingpin sitting in the chair across from you. It's like your sperm are tiny and so weak and so small, and your semen is watery. And oh. why are you looking at me? And get out of my office. Like, yeah. On the flip side, wouldn't you like to have a chance to tell like some horrible criminal? That their sperm is weak without it, there are any repercussions. Wouldn't that be like a cool thing to be able to have done? With, I mean, without being killed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And actually, he is, you know, not to spoil things, but given the type of movie, he's one of the few people who survived this movie. Oh. Uh, so after that very amusing conversation, there's also just tons of like fertility statues in the office, too, with just massive cocks. <laughs> I love that doctor's de- his decor. It's like the, the, oh, the, yeah. the establishing shot is Don Oscar staring at the guy's desk, and there's a wooden statue with a cock the size of my forearm just sticking up. Have you guys seen on the History Channel or whatever those old Roman um, fertility statues? They're just dicks with wings. Yeah, That's yeah. The yeah. The yeah. Essentially, that. The picture that. Touch. Picture one of those like touch homunculi that you see in yeah. science museums, but just made yeah. of penis. I would just, yeah. wouldn't that be incredible if they sold like wind chimes, but they're dicks with wings? Just, like, like, <laughs> like the tackiest possible. Like somebody comes over to your house and you have them in the backyard. They're like, oh, what nice wind chime. You know, okay, I actually have to I have a dentist appointment. I'll see you later. I have not been able to justify a 3D printer until just this very moment. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> 
I'm not worried about you making like like fertility statue wind chimes. I'm worried about what you will go on to do from there. And the and the, and the best part is that it wouldn't be the nice metallic tinkling. It would be that weird bamboo clack clack clack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you could get them to sound kind of meaty when they hit each other, that would Why be pretty Why are fun. your unnatural purple dick wind chimes clunking in the breeze? <laughs> it blesses the house. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Fry. <laughs> no, you, this is absolutely what this podcast is about. How can we get a movie... And then get to discussing purple dicks. Awful, uh, awful product. <laughs> this whole thing will have to be cut. No, I am uh, not cutting this. <laughs> so yeah, the, you try to make Russ cut it. You can't. <laughs> yeah. So we leave the fertility clinic. They notice they're being followed. And so Don Oscar tells <laughs> his, his driver, Freddie, like, hey, we, we got to get out of town. Yeah. But first I have to make a couple of stops. So he... He buys some. I I wasn't sure if this was crack or meth. I, I guess meth. I'm not as it was meth. Okay, yeah. so he buys a little meth, uh, <laughs> smokes a little bit of meth, uh, and then goes to visit his favorite prostitute. Oh, so they're not. So they're not even like cocaine dealers. They're just they're. <laughs> I don't the know that is, they deal anything. <laughs> and uh, the, my my thought was, uh, the, and none of this is brought up. Well, like everything, you would enjoy this, James, in that it opens up in media res and doesn't really tell you any backstory you just yeah, it just yeah. sort of establishes as the movie goes along and and the story i made up in my head was they all of their product was gone like like they, they sold oh, all their stuff okay. and supply chains were interrupted and that's why they're just kind of doing a hang fire as the movie goes along and basically have no money or anything to do other than be paranoid and shoot things <laughs> so they're functionally ex-drug dealers yeah, yeah. Not by choice, but by circumstance. Yeah, they're no longer really a drug cartel because they don't have drugs to sell. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to be a drug cartel if you don't have any drugs. I think that's probably accurate. And that 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 was one of my favorite little touches in the movie was that this like this failed drug kingpin goes and buys drugs from a street guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he goes. He visits his his favorite prostitute. They they have some good times, and then he's leaving. Uh, and he he pays her with like the last bit of money in his wallet, uh, and then gets paranoid, comes back, and we find out later he killed her and took the money back. So I mean, he was just playing GTA, basically. Yeah. Basically, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is the, the, this is GTA played by the worst players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so meanwhile, the cops having realized basically they Don uh, Don Oscar. Uh, called up another one of his guys and said, hey, these cops are, these people are following us. Figure out what they're up to. And then that eventually makes the cops realize that, oh, we've been noticed following him after he's like driving around in circles and we're real obviously (laughs) following him. Uh, So they head back to their little like sting operation headquarters. And I feel the, like the you're lieutenant really, there you're really pulling, like standing for the police here. It, it doesn't. It's no, no, not no. a very good sting operation. Do, yeah, do not. Do, you're not standing for anyone. Like yeah. the, the, I, I asked myself, who were the sympathetic characters in this movie? None. Not really. I <laughs> yeah, mean, really none. So they they go back to the 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 quote unquote operation headquarters, and uh, the the lieutenant there who's running the operation says like, hey, what? What the fuck are you guys doing here? I told you to watch the house. 
I want you to watch the house. I don't care what's happening. I don't care if you're being shot at. I want you to watch the house. <laughs> and it, this conversation goes on for a few minutes and is, is actually quite funny. Uh, so he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, we'll go watch the house. And they, they return. <laughs> but there's nothing going on at the house. What did I say? Yeah. Go watch yeah. the house. <laughs> yeah. Later on, there's like no one there. And they're like, we're still supposed to watch the house. So, One of my favorite anyway. lines from those two cops is, the, it's, it's like, dude, nothing's happening. Should we call back? And he's like, shut up. They'll put us on another assignment. God. <laughs> <laughs> so they're looking for like an easy gig. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone so, in this movie is looking for an easy game. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess it's hard to get up to too much mischief if you're out of money and drugs, huh? Well, <laughs> well they're not. still going to get into some mischief. Don't, oh, okay. don't you worry. So Don Oscar and Freddy, now shaken by this encounter with the, the people following them, who they don't know are cops yet, mm-hmm. uh, they head out to the countryside to a building, a house, kind of. Um, well, it's mostly a safe house, but you can tell they're squatting in this safe house. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, you know when you drive, you know, you, you go on a road trip and you see one of these like ruined buildings of a decent way back from the freeway and you wonder why that's even still there? Yeah. That is what where they were staying, basically. Sketchy. Hmm. There, there is a roof. There were some walls, but not as many as you would want. <laughs> um, Are those structural? <laughs> There is a pool that has mostly been taken back over by nature. Cool. <laughs> so they, uh, they they set up shop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Oscar does a little bit more meth and then tells his <laughs> lieutenant to go into town and pick up some good food and some prostitutes so that people won't <laughs> think they're gay. <laughs> there is so uh, the the reason that don oscar sends his sins of what was that guy's name milton or is that the other guy Fre- i think that was, was freddie Mil- yeah, 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 yeah milton's the other enforcer freddie okay. has brought survival food yeah but do you remember when you were younger and you would go to anime conventions and you would bring food to eat on so that you wouldn't have to like go leave the hotel and get proper food <laughs> I yeah. want to call to mind you. You've probably seen a Studio Ghibli movie, and yeah. and 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 here you have the crisp lettuce slap down on the perfect cutting board, and it goes crunch as the knife goes through it, and it looks and it's like when you're watching Land Before Time and you really want to eat a tree star, like it's <laughs> it's that kind of feeling where every vegetable looks delicious and the food yeah. is perfect. When Freddie makes this sandwich, I want you to 180 all of that. <laughs> oh no so bad. and picture the thinnest like wonder bread you can see through kind of <laughs> yeah like when you were passing a fence as a child and you could like kind of wave it in front of your face and you could see and then meat that is sliced off from a tube oh. and then something that comes out of a turnkey can yeah i could not tell what <laughs> that i could was. not that tell was... what that other product yeah. was but it was definitely brown some kind yeah. of paste <laughs> Some kind of protein and some kind of sauce, and mm. probably the less you know, the better. Bummer. <laughs> so, let's see. The Getting back to the house and what's been going on there. So, uh, Don Oscar's wife has, is pregnant with uh, a child from Milton, the other enforcer. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, as we especially know it's Milton because as we covered... Don Oscar's sperm are uh, sparse and weak. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
they were going to go off to have an abortion and then she doesn't go through with it. So there's, there's that whole plot line going on with, with Milton and the So she's going to try and convince the Don that it's his kid or? Well, with they, I, don't, they don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what they're going to do yet. And uh, James, uh, the, the reason this sounds a little bit scattershot and I was wondering how Fry was going to take it is because the, it, this is screen written like a Guy Ritchie movie, yes. but, on, but on island time. You have multiple kind of disparate plot lines with characters that are vaguely related, and then it all comes together in the end. So they're, so they're like kind of quick cuts, but it's... But, but the thing is, take away the quick cuts, because there yeah, aren't oh, quick okay. cuts. It's just, it's just disparate storylines, but, but on kind of mirroring the life that the characters have, where nothing right. is really going on. And so whereas God and Ritchie is like music videos, quick cuts, and... Shoop, shoop, shoop. Picture right. the storytelling devices that Guy Ritchie uses, but now just with long cuts. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I was actually I was thinking of the same comparison. The plot feels like a Guy Ritchie movie, but the movie doesn't feel like a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, I mean, you got a bunch of lowlifes, check. Shit goes wrong, yeah. check. Like, exactly. So let's, let's jump ahead to the major, uh, kind of the major turning point of the movie. Uh, the gardeners, like everyone else, are fairly bad at their job. Um, so the the young gardener accidentally knocks over this this statue of Mary that they have in their garden. Uh oh! And he's like, "Oh shit!" And he goes to try to like put it back together, which you can't do to a broken statue that has a hole through it now. <laughs> uh, but in doing so, he finds that underneath the statue there was a giant bag of money. Oh, okay. <laughs> So at first he puts it there, and now we follow his story for a little bit. Uh, he's had to put his, uh, he's had to sell his bike to the pawn shop because he was broke. Uh, he lives with his grandfather. He has, like everyone else, he's wanting some money to solve his problems and get out of the life he's in. And so the next day he goes back and he retrieves the money and takes it with him. So at around the same time, Don Oscar finally decides. You know what? We'll just we'll just pay DuBernay and and not be terrified all the time anymore. No real reason is given for why he suddenly changed his mind at that point. <laughs> he has uh, when he makes this decision, he has just killed two more prostitutes. Yes, yeah, that is oh true. Oh my god! So 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 he is he doesn't want to spend any money on these prostitutes, but he wants to have sex with them. Yes, yes. So he. Oh man, what a horrible person! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew that, but it just sort of occurred to me. <laughs> I, uh, I I was unfamiliar with any of these actors because I don't know a whole lot about Colombian cinema, such as it is. Yeah. Now I want to see a whole lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, Fry, touched on the uh, on, on Bobo Litro's character? No, we need to talk about Bobo Litro's character because. Bobo Litro is the dog washer in the movie. He's the only person we ever see actually washing a dog. Well, the, now, now, Fry, the, the, this is a play on words a little bit. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, the, the reason the movie is called Dog Washers, yes, Bobo Litro washes dogs, but dog washers is a slang term for, like, the street crew in a drug dealing outfit. Oh, so, okay. So, so, like, if you're the lowest of the low, a slang term is dog washer. Okay. Gotcha. That, that makes a whole lot more sense. I'm so <laughs> glad you knew that. Uh, so, so Bobo Litro is, is a, a big guy. Uh, he appears to be fairly quiet and simple at first. 
Uh, he's always reading the Bible. He literally carries it with him and just sits there reading it all the time. Uh, he feeds and washes and takes care of the dogs. He is the one... Oh, and we see him go to church with uh, with a prostitute. That's a prostitute, right? Yes, that is a prostitute. Yes. I was deeply... Th- this relationship was deeply concerning to me. Because yeah. I, I could not figure out what their whole deal was for about 50% of the movie. And I think that's mm-hmm. intentionally done to make it feel a little bit slimier. Um, yeah, at, but, at first I thought she was his mom or something. I also she was a thought bit that, older, which made, oh, which made the weird. turn so much better. And uh, it, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, he, Bobo Litro's one companion is a aged prostitute that he takes to church with him, and sometimes they also have sex. Yeah. <laughs> so is she like a live-in prostitute, or uh, that is unclear? Bobo Litro seems to live at Don Oscar's place, at least to me. And oh, okay. Yeah. And she seems to have her own red light room in a oh, okay. Roach so they, he's just yeah. a regular then. It. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, okay. It's he's, more complicated. He's, he's less a regular and more her only. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely a, a kind of past her prime. Uh, prostitute. Hey, some people like that. <laughs> Bobo Litro does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so as as things really get going here in the third act, uh, Bobo Litro discovers that the money has been taken from the statue. Freddy is on his way into town to try to get the money to pay off to Bernie. I, hold on. Bobo Litro tries to call the other members of the gang who are all out doing other shit and not okay. taking his calls. Okay, one sec. One sec. Yeah. I know he's a drug dealer, but I feel like if he was going to hide money uh, around the house, outside of the house is probably not a good place to do It's a stupid place. And uh, uh, for me, the reason that exists, like the best place to put it is like your safety deposit box or something. Like Um, a safe or, yeah. Or, or, you know, anywhere in the house. I think it's his bug out bag. Right, like, like because there's enough money in there, but there's not a lot of money in there. Right, it's right. like if a gardener discovered it, it would be like, "Whoa, look at all this money!" But if someone with a salary discovered it, it would be like, "Oh, here is an amount of money." Right, yeah. and so and so my, my thinking was the reason it was in that odd place was because that's the last of his money, and it's like when I can't go home when i can't go to the bank when i can't go to when all my offshore accounts are drained when yet da, 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 i've got this one right. bag in the virgin mary yeah <laughs> i i do like how he tell like apparently freddie knew about this as well because when he tells freddie to go get this he just says go ask the virgin mary for some money <laughs> yeah that was a good line yeah i thought that was nice all right. uh, so, so Bobo Litro is trying to get in touch with everybody and say, hey, the money's missing. Mm-hmm. Milton is busy fucking Don Oscar's wife. Freddie is just driving and, and not taking his call. Don Oscar is like passed out uh, from the meth and the killing people and all that. <laughs> so, oh, he had a busy day. <laughs> <laughs> I killed two people today. Oh, swamped. So Bobo Litro figures out it must have been the gardener who knocked this over and found this, because that's the only person who would be messing around in that area. Right, makes sense. And starts tracking them down. And at the same... So as that's going on, again, it gets very Guy Ritchie we're, here. Yeah, we're getting, at this on. point, Fry's getting to the turn where like, where, 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 where the three plot... Where, where the, well, there's like six plots, yeah. but where, where they all start kind of right. intermingling. Yeah. 
we we wrap up with some some confrontations, uh, some last minute betrayals. Nice. And most people winding up dead. <laughs> yes, as it should uh, in, in some way or another, as as you would expect from a yes. movie like this. Does Bobo Litro make it? Uh, we're not telling. Oh, we're okay. Telling. All right, all right. Cool, cool. Interesting. The uh, I I was extremely and and like like I want to see more of these two guys work now. Um, yeah, the guy who played Milton is unnecessarily gorgeous. Um, <laughs> Anderson uh, Ballesteros. Anderson- yeah, he looks great okay. in this movie. The guy who played uh, Don Oscar, Christian Tappan, he annihilates. Awesome. Like, oh, yeah. He is so slimy and so skeezy. Like, I, I want to see him in bunches. And then the absolute standout for me was Ulysses Gonzalez, who plays Bobo Litro. And Excellent. Because at the outset, he set up like this utter simpleton. And then you realize just how wrong you were as the movie goes along. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's even some, like, offhand conversations where, like, they knew he was much more than that. Yeah. Right. But we don't find that out until things get further along. All right. Well, Russ, uh, would you do us the courtesy of philosophizing us? I absolutely will. Um, Excellent. This movie is all about, as and, and this is a surface read, and I'm sure you knew where I was going with this, because this movie is all about loyalty. Yeah. Or the lack of it in this yes. case. <laughs> For uh, loyalty, weirdly, is is more of a contemporary advent in philosophy. It, it comes up from time to time, but not really not until the 20th century do you start getting big, long, lengthy references to it. In your early dramas, classical tragedy is based on conflicting loyalties. One of Plato's dialogues called Euthypro, a character wants to charge his father with killing a slave, even though it was through negligence. And so it's like, okay. am, I, am I loyal to my father? Am I loyal to the, like the social standing? Am I loyal to and th- that kind of thing? As I'm sure you're all aware, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew states, no one can serve <laughs> two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. In 1908, a philosopher named Josiah Royce wrote a book called The Philosophy of Loyalty, which kind of thrusts the concept into the uh, spotlight, where he refers to it as the heart of all the virtues and defines it as the willing and practical and thoroughgoing devotion of a person to a cause. Now, what does it mean to be loyal? And what are you loyal to? There are a lot of contemporary interpretations. Many philosophers will argue that loyalty always ends up with a person. Uh, there is a, a philosopher named Milton Convitz, who wrote the Encyclopedia of the History of Ideas, <clears throat> argues that loyalty can be to anything. Principles, causes, ideas, ideals, religions, ideologies, nations, governments, etc., etc., etc. That's how that's how I would have thought about it, yeah. And uh, Marsha Barron, another philosopher, agrees that loyalty will ultimately be to a certain person or a group of people, never to an ideal or cause, because it always comes back around to a person, even if that person is yourself. That's a really compelling uh, argument, actually, yeah. The, uh, as uh, the late Cersei Lannister would tell us, uh, the only way to keep people loyal is to make sure they fear you more than the enemy. <laughs> Well, that's I, a bit dark. <laughs> arguably, that didn't work out great for her. <laughs> it didn't, didn't go great. Do you all know anyone who is brand loyal? 
Oh, I, I don't know him, but I have a very funny story about that. So I was in a department store buying a collared shirt, and I knew I wanted a yellow shirt to go with a suit that I had, a button-up, right? And I picked out one that was the right shade and that fit me and and that was a reasonable price. And I took it to the counter to check out, and I think I had socks or something. And the guy asked me why I hadn't gotten the, I guess it was like the Polo brand one or some, it was some one of those brands, right? This was, mm. you know. And he was wearing a polo brand polo <laughs> shirt. And he the way he described it, he was like, oh, it's just when I see that brand, I just go, oh. Like he was getting physical pleasure from <laughs> I'm not joking. This guy, he was getting physical pleasure from owning, seeing the polo brand of shirts. And I had never, I don't know if he was maybe, I don't know if he was trying to sell me something else. He didn't, but he didn't say anything. He was like, oh, nice shirt you picked out. Oh man, but do you see those polos? Like it was, he was nerding out over it. It was really over polo weird. shirts, and I've never had an experience like that. It was the strangest thing. I uh, the reason I asked about brand loyalty is because like your grandfather, it's like I'm gonna Fords until I die. Chevy can go catch on fire. I'm gonna drive a Ford truck forever, and, and it's, it's like, but it, that would be a lifetime. It, it's yeah. like it's, it's like people would buy one brand of something forever. And uh, the same thing, you would see the same thing with like teams where it's like this, this, uh, I'm a Yankee until I die. Oh, yeah. Like sports fans. Yeah. And I've seen it argued that brand loyalty and team loyalty have been on the decline, especially recently. And the reason being just when your grandfather, how many choices of car did your grandfather have to buy? (laughs) Yeah, you know, exactly. And so and now we're just paralyzed for choice. And you see it all over the place. It's like, what does it mean to be loyal to your employer? Well, it's like, that's an ideal thing. But what happens when your employer treats you like crap? And then what happens yeah. when your employer does something unjust? And that's where whistleblowing comes in and all kinds. Um, well, and also the loss of pensions and stuff like that yeah. make it so that working for the working for the same company for 60 years is not a good idea anyway. You mm-hmm. know, But without the pensions, it's like, there's no reason to do that. There's also the romanticization of loyalty where it's seen as like being loyal in the face of all odds is a good thing. And the the example that always comes up is that dog Hachiko who would walk with his master to the train station. Then one day his master died at work, but Hachiko kept on coming back until eventually he died. But of course this overlooks the fact that now the only place where Hachiko is getting fed is the train station. Right. So it's like, of course he's going to go back there. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it's, yeah. it's like it's less a romance story and more a practical story. And so, of course, all all this said all this to say that dog washers argues and establishes well that the only true true loyalty is to yourself. Ah, okay. because when everything else goes awry, you're still going to be looking out for number one. Right, mm-hmm. right. The basest of our instincts is just to survive. Yeah, yeah. They even like literally make that statement a couple times where. <laughs> Don Oscar says sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to decide if other people are going to die or if you're going to die. Yep. And then later on, Freddie says the same thing, <laughs> uh, having learned that lesson well. Interesting. All right. Well, this this one sounds pretty interesting, guys. Uh, I think I'm I think I'm going to watch it. I like. All it right. Sounds good. 
I think you should because uh, I think this might be another little hidden gem that we've come upon. Yeah, Yeah, we've had a few. We've had a few. Um, I also just remembered something about Bahubali that I forgot to say in the beginning, and I would like to say it now. And that is that he actually was a historical figure. (gasps) Wait, he was? Yes. So Bahubali, which translates in English to one with strong arms. (laughs) Accurate. Is a much revered figure among the Jains. It was the son of Rishabhanatha, uh, the first Tirthankara of Jainism. And he's the younger brother of uh, Bharata Chakravartin. He is said to have meditated motionless for a year in a standing posture, and that during this time, climbing plants grew around his legs. After his year <laughs> of meditation, he is said to have obtained omni- omni- omniscience. Um, so... He is very much a picture or, or a, a figure from history. Ah, cool. Um, and what I find interesting, and I, I was talking about a lot about mythology before during the previous episode, but I actually think the more interesting discussion is cultural. However, I did just enough research to realize the vastness of my own ignorance on these cultures. Mm. And I have decided not to say anything about it because I don't <laughs> know anything. <laughs> The only true knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. That that is correct. I yeah. it was I started doing a little bit of like cultural research, and then I looked at the source, and I was like, "This person does not live in those countries." Mm-hmm. And so then I looked at another source, and I was like, "I don't even know enough to know how to research this." Like, yeah. maybe I could if I spent you know because I watched it last night, so I didn't have a ton of time. But no, no, we're not doing that. But I will say, yes, historical figure and was known to be strong. So, <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. What do we want to do next time? Our most loyal listener uh, <laughs> has been demanding that we do one of one of several Japanese movies. Okay. Okay. Uh, they are. So I, I I won't define a genre. I will just okay. say from Japan. Okay. Yeah. I mean that that's fine. We've watched uh, uh, one or two movies from Japan on this podcast, and they've been great. So yeah. All right. Fantastic. I'm looking, for, so, looking forward to it. So next week, mystery genre. Mystery genre. Excellent. Uh, Russ, Fry, have you guys seen anything cool recently read that you want to tell people about? Fry, step in. I, I will say I've been playing a lot of uh, Deep Rock Galactic. That game is just a load of fun. Oh, yeah. That's the game where you it's like a co-op game with the, with the dwarves and you have to mine stuff. And yeah. Yeah. When, when you get far enough in, you unlock the... The deep dives, which are their like longer missions, so oh, okay. we've been doing those, and they are they are challenging as hell. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> cool. I didn't I didn't have enough to say about that to fill all the. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing a Satisfactory Update Four launched, and a better named game does not exist. You build a factory, and it is very satisfying to watch these <laughs> things be manufactured. It's a crafting game where you don't really have to do very much crafting because the machines you make do it for you. <laughs> oh, nice. Excellent. I started watching um, Alice in Borderland, and I need to keep, uh, keep, keep up with that a little bit more just because I thought it was vaguely interesting. That kept getting recommended to me on my Netflix. Is that good? Give it a try. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's kind of a funny premise, but it's a live-action anime. Um, yeah. And then I watched one called, I think, High Rise Invasion, which was essentially the same plot but also animated, and I thought that was just dumb as can be. And I don't know why. I think if I'd seen one before the other, my opinion might be switched. But 
So cool. go with Alice in Borderland and not with High Rise Invasion. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. High Rise Invasion. Uh, I I started watching that and it it really grossed me out, but not in the not in a good way. Like which one a- <laughs> is, is is that the one where people are running around the tops of buildings and getting thrown yeah. off and or jumping off? That that is High yeah. Rise Invasion, right? Okay. Yeah, it, it it grossed me out because I mean I still think the premise is interesting. Kind of, it, it's like a really complicated slasher movie, but I don't like the teenage girl exploitation thing that really grosses me out no, so yeah. it, it's yeah. just i couldn't watch it yeah we've been re-watching uh the magicians because a friend of ours hadn't seen it mm. so so we're getting them into it and oh, okay. that is that is a really fun series it's uh way better than a sci-fi original has any uh has any <laughs> yeah i uh, haven't had cable in a long time prime one of the primary reasons being that what was the previous channel before sci-fi i forget anyway so the old channel went away, and then they came out with sci-fi, and like we're gonna we're gonna show you, and then you just watch the movies, and it's like this is just a fucking action movie. This is garbage. Yeah. Like as we've argued before on this podcast, Fry, just putting something in space and making pew pew lasers does not make it a science fiction. Yeah, well, and, and the and Magicians, of course, has no true. science fiction in it whatsoever. It's yeah, purely yeah, a magical fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, okay. So they they so they're sci-fi and fantasy now. Yeah, for some reason, those always get kind of thrust in with each other, which they just, I guess there's a lot of overlap in the fandom. Should they just rename it the Dork Channel and be done with it? I would still watch that channel. So dork, that they tonight could. on Dork. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough of this nonsense. <laughs> uh, I am not going to give you the opportunity to say taco or burrito this time. I am going to tell the listeners. Wait, what? No, if, but 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 what if I what if I'm having tempura? Well, I, I mean, that's progress. Okay. Tempura is delicious. So I just want to say to everyone listening. Have you seen these places that do the tempura burritos? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey James Watch This. Have a wonderful, safe day. And don't drink bleach.